Hey, Prime members, you can listen to CBS Sunday Morning with Jane Polly ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. I'm Jane Pauley, and this is Sunday Morning. Thirty years ago, Steven Spielberg's movie Jurassic Park proposed the revolutionary notion of using the DNA of extinct creatures to allow them to roam the Earth once more. Now that fictitious idea is coming closer to reality. No, not for dinosaurs, but maybe for the dodo, a large pigeon-like bird thought to have become extinct some 300 years ago. Jonathan Vigliotti tells us that thanks to a new science called de-extinction, the dodo is getting a second chance. The dodo bird and the woolly mammoth vanished from this planet ages ago. But could they one day return? I hear mammoth and dodo in the same sentence. Yeah. And, you know, it's science well, fiction. Yeah, I mean, it is until it's not. Ahead on this Earth Day weekend, the real science behind de-extinction. Martha Teichner this morning hears both sides in a war of words, the battle over banning books. Tracy Smith sits down with actor Rachel McAdams, now starring in a much-anticipated new movie, plus a story from Steve Hartman. Opinion from author and two-time heart transplant recipient Amy Silverstein. And more on this Sunday morning for the 23rd of April, 2023. And we'll be back in a moment. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, 
Choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. We all have busy lives these days, and we don't want to waste a day recovering after a night out. That's why Zbiotics is the answer we've all been looking for. Their probiotic was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Pre-alcohol produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. This is a proactive solution that wards off feeling miserable the next day instead of a reactive approach like drinking electrolytes or eating greasy food. Enhance your mornings with Zbiotics. Go to zbiotics.com/cbs to get 15% off your first order when you use code CBS at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money back guarantee. So, if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember to head to zbiotics.com/cbs and use the code CBS at checkout for 15% off. Thank you Zbiotics for sponsoring this episode and our good times. Once it was the stuff of science fiction, a species brought back from extinction after vanishing eons ago. Jonathan Vigliotti surveys the next frontier, de-extinction. We share this planet with millions of spectacular species. And no matter how different our genetics are, inside this conservation center in Carr, Colorado, there's proof. We're all hardwired to fear visiting the doctor. Dr. Della Gorel, a veterinarian with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, is leading the effort to bring one of America's most endangered species back from the brink of extinction. Who is this? This is turmeric. Turmeric. He's a little spicy today. Spicy because the black-footed ferret isn't one for poking and prodding, unless he's given some mild anesthesia. One liquid ferret. We were invited to help with physical exams ahead of breeding season. We also got to check out the goods because well, they feel pretty good. <laughs> the only way, this well, is, you know, they this don't. This is very important. It's very. It's a breeding program, right? So you can't be shy. It was only a few decades ago, reproduction wasn't thought possible. The species was believed to be extinct due to habitat loss and disease. But in 1981, the federal government tracked down the only known colony and started this breeding program with just seven ferrets. That makes turmeric. One of the descendants of the few founders, the seven founders, very related to all the other ferrets. And very related can be a tricky thing in the genetic pool of yeah, life. Yeah, absolutely. More diversity is better than you're more prepared for things like change, climate and otherwise. Since 1991, more than 4,000 genetically similar ferrets have been released back into the wild, where they help restore balance to the ecosystem. But with such a small gene pool, disease could wipe them all out. That's where wildlife biologist Robin Bortner comes in. Oh, so you're a matchmaker here. <laughs> yes, I tried to be the ferret matchmaker. <laughs> and there's no bigger catch in this dating pool than Elizabeth Ann. 
Elizabeth Ann is a black-footed ferret that was produced using interspecies somatic cell nuclear transfer cloning. In 2020, she was the first endangered species native to North America to ever be cloned using decades-old DNA from a black-footed ferret named Willa. Wow, so we're essentially looking at a carbon copy of a black-footed ferret from the 80s. Yes, correct. Incredible. So in here are the cells of Willa that have been frozen since 1988. So this is where it all began for Elizabeth Ann. Yes. Marlis Hauk is the curator of the San Diego Frozen Zoo, the largest bank of living animal cells in the world. By collecting and storing all this DNA, the Frozen Zoo is at the forefront of an emerging field, de-extinction. There are more than 10,000 samples, everything from skin to feathers. When I was freezing cells from the northern white rhino, there were 50 in the living, and then now, you know, there's two left. What does this container of vials represent to you? The future. The future of, of these species. Barbara Durant, the director of reproductive sciences at the Frozen Zoo, says their bank of cells could help save an estimated one million species at risk of extinction, mostly because of us. Have we reached the point where something that was human-caused now can only be cured or corrected? by humans? Yes. Really? If we disappeared, a lot of things would grow back, but some populations are so small or don't even exist except here that they, they would not be able to regenerate without us. And that next frontier in regeneration may come through cloning. When tissue cells are grown in the lab and then transferred into a donor egg that's had its nucleus and DNA removed, that egg then develops into an embryo, which is implanted into a surrogate. The result? A cloned ferret pup, like Elizabeth Ann. And most recently, Kurt, an endangered Chavalsky horse, whom we watch practice courtship at the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. This de-extinction science got some wondering, what about DNA from species lost ages ago? We go in and then we can aspirate a little bit yeah, where the DNA might be. At Colossal Biosciences in Dallas, Texas, this new tech company has raised hundreds of millions of dollars to bring back extinct species like the dodo bird, which died off in the 1600s, and the woolly mammoth, which was wiped out 3,000 years ago. I hear mammoth and dodo in the same sentence. Yeah. And, you know, it's well, science that's a, fiction. Yeah, I mean, it is until it's not. Ben Lamb founded Colossal Sciences. He says the first cloned woolly mammoth could be born in five years and eventually reintroduced to its native tundra habitat. A dodo chick could take longer because we don't yet know how to clone birds. But if you're willing to accept something that is similar to a dodo in some physical way, but not identical, we'll get there a lot sooner than if you want something that is exactly like a dodo. As paleogeneticist Beth Shapiro explains, an animal's DNA starts to break down in the wild as soon as it dies. So there's no perfectly preserved dodo or woolly mammoth genetic material left. And sorry. This is where we tell you that dinosaur fossils are too old to contain any usable DNA. 
This is part of a vertebra, so you can see how big this is. But Shapiro can still extract pieces of DNA from bones she finds in the field. We will look at places where the permafrost, the frozen dirt, where many of these bones are preserved is melting. The bits of DNA are then extracted from those bones, sequenced in a lab, and used as a template for editing DNA in the cells of the mammoth's closest existing relative, the Asian elephant, to create a creature approaching the real thing. Why is de-extinction so exciting that it opens up the bank? People are attracted to the impossible or to what they see as impossible. Would I like to have seen $225 million invested into traditional conservation? Yes. Would I also like to see this money being invested into Colossal so these new tools can be developed? Absolutely yes. And that's where I see the real value of this technology. We can use these same tools to stop species from becoming like the mammoth. But the science may take longer than expected. It was recently discovered Elizabeth Ann is unable to reproduce. During the procedure, we discovered that unfortunately her reproductive tract had not developed completely normally. But the work continues because the easiest way to save a species is to protect it before it's gone. A room like this, does this help with that battle? This is in many cases the only thing that's going to help. Once the cells are here, they can be here indefinitely. So it's important that we get the cells now and then we can work out the techniques for the future. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I love your skirt. Where did you get it? Uh, it was my mom's in the 80s. <gasps> Vintage. So adorable. Thanks. <laughs> that is the ugliest effing skirt I've ever seen. Her films and her characters run the gamut from Mean Girls to The Notebook. Rachel McAdams talks about movies and motherhood with our Tracy Smith. Growing up is fun. Who can forget that special time when things were starting to happen? She's changing from a child into an adult. And it's a little confusing at times. We've all seen films like Molly Grows Up 
But the book that might have described those times best is Judy Blume's landmark and often controversial 1970 novel, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Just do this one thing for me. Let me just be normal and regular like everybody else. Just please, 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 please. Now, Bloom's tale of adolescent angst is a feature film. Abby Ryder Fortson is Margaret. Hmm. Barely a 28. Not even a double A. And her understanding mom is Oscar-nominated actor Rachel McAdams. How's that feel? I cannot wait to take it off. Yeah. Welcome to womanhood. You read a lot of books when you were a kid, yeah? I did when I was little. We met McAdams at Annabelle's Book Club in Los Angeles, a store that carries, what else, books for young adults. People love this book. Mm -hmm. Judy Bloom wouldn't let anyone make a movie about it for 50 years. So did you feel that pressure? Yeah, just a little bit. We all just wanted to make Judy proud, really. We're getting committees together over at the junior high, okay. and I can think of at least three that you'd be perfect for. <laughs> oh, Jan, that sounds great. McAdams does herself proud as a woman trying to balance motherhood and career. I don't want to. She's the queen bee. It's a far cry from her breakout role as the utterly toxic Regina George. Sit down meanest of the mean girls. You're like really pretty. Thank you. So you agree? What? You think you're really pretty? I remember where I was when I read that script for the first time and I put it down and I immediately called my manager and said, please, I will do anything to be any part in this movie. Any part? Give me one line. Get in, loser, we're going shopping. But she couldn't be more different than the diva you see on screen. Born and raised in a working-class family in Ontario, Canada, Rachel McAdams loved theater, but she was also an accomplished figure skater with a part-time job in fast food. One of your first jobs was working at McDonald's. Mm -hmm. What did that teach you? It taught me hard work, and I was kind of a bit of a germaphobe when I started working at McDonald's, and then I kind of got over that. Not that it's like particularly dirty or anything. I was kind of like an obsessive hand washer when I was younger, which was really terrible as a figure skater because like washing your hands all the time at the ice rink and then going out with wet hands on the ice. I mean, my hands were a mess. Can you still eat McDonald's now? Yeah. Oh yeah. I love it. When I was pregnant, I said to my partner, when we came out of a movie here in LA and um, I said, uh, it was like 11 o'clock at night and I was like, take me to the first McDonald's. I want a fish filet and a chocolate milkshake. And he was like, oh, yeah, you're pregnant. (laughs) But between McDonald's and motherhood, she broke hearts in Hollywood. I waited for you for seven years. Now it's too late. The Notebook, which came out in 2004, the same year as Mean Girls, is a film some people can't even talk about without choking up. It wasn't over. Still isn't over. Rachel McAdams. Even as she read for the role opposite Ryan Gosling, as we see in her audition tape, she had a feeling it was hers. I will always love you, no <laughs> When you were in that audition, did you know, oh, I got this? I felt like my life was about to change. Did it change? It did. It did. Claire, we wait just a second? In fact, it seemed that she was suddenly everywhere. 
in movies big and small. But McAdams says it might have been too much too fast. There's Wedding Crashers, Red Eye, Family Stone, and then you left. I didn't make a conscious decision to leave necessarily, but I did, I did kind of make a decision to pause. I didn't think I was dealing so well with, with my life changing so quickly and being um, so much in the public eye. I, I was struggling with that a little bit with the exposure. It did allow me to just find myself, center myself in it and, and know I could live without it if I had to. If suddenly tomorrow they all decide, you suck, <laughs> you can't be here anymore, you're out of the club. Well, I left the club first. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> And she did leave for about two years and turned down parts in movies like The Devil Wears Prada and Iron Man. But when she came back, it wasn't for a star vehicle. She just wanted to be a working actor. Hi there. I'm looking for Ronald Paquin. Yes? Your father Paquin? Her performance in 2015's Spotlight as a Boston Globe reporter on the hunt for pedophile Catholic priests earned her an Oscar nod. You're moving. And now she's found another fulfilling role. What? Really, Mom? Sylvia. Alongside Kathy Bates as a mom. She was putting it together. I don't well, think she was. Moving? Okay. She shot Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, just after the birth of her second child. And as you're playing this character, you're balancing motherhood and your career. It was uh, real method acting, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it was breastfeeding and pumping on the side. And my daughter was five months old, I think, at the time. And so, you know, I just had to give the signal. This is um, the pumping signal. It's yes, time. Yes, it's time. They go, <laughs> OK, you go right ahead. <laughs> it's clear she enjoys her life right now. Rachel McAdams has found what works. And if it doesn't, there's always the door. Do you think you might take another step back at some point? I don't know. For me, acting doesn't feel easy. Like, it always feels like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, I never feel like I can totally relax doing it. So, you know, doing a project or two a year really, you know, it's, it fills my cup. Right now, it, I'm not feeling like I'm needing to shut it down. <laughs> Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. It's a trend you've no doubt read about, the growing list of books banned in our nation's classrooms and libraries. Martha Teichner takes us to the front lines of a war on words. I'm looking at Catch-22, mm -hmm. Kurt Vonnegut's Cat's Cradle, The Great Gatsby. Classics, every one of them banned in some places. 
the Chicago Public Library put them on display in defiance of efforts nationwide to ban books. There was somebody who objected to the profanity or the challenge to the status quo. Deborah Caldwell-Stone is director of the American Library Association's Office of Intellectual Freedom. Her job is to know what's being targeted. LGBTQIA books, books they deemed to be critical race theory, but were actually books on the history of race, racism, slavery in the United States, or representing black voices, um, were overwhelmingly being targeted by these demands to remove books. Tomorrow, the American Library Association will announce the most challenged books of 2022. Yes, race, controversial aspects of history, vulgarity, and violence may be red flags found in a number of books already challenged or banned, but sex and gender are now overwhelmingly the subject matter being attacked. Parents, when they're sending their kids to school, uh, they should not have to worry about this garbage being in the schools. Ammunition for Florida's Republican Governor Ron DeSantis's War on Woke. Books like Gender Queer, an intensely polarizing exploration of gender identity at the center of the book battles. It is a graphic novel, so certainly it's more in your face, but it's not intended to titillate. It's intended to provide a window onto one person's experience, not knowing their gender identity and needing to explore that. Between 2020 and 2022, the number of individual titles challenged spiked more than 1,100%, from just over 200 to more than 2,500. Since 2021, school districts have banned books in 37 states, with Florida and Texas leading the pack. These were organized efforts by groups of parents uh, arguing about parents' rights. Moms for Liberty soon came to prominence as a group that was driving a lot of book challenges in local communities. The book Gender Queer was in our school libraries. Had Moms for Liberty not brought that book to your attention, it might still be there. Launched in 2021, the group now claims 275 chapters in 45 states, with 115,000 members and counting. Never bet against a mom. I mean, nobody's going to defend anything like a mom is going to defend their child. Tiffany Justice and Tina Deskovich, both former Florida school board members, founded Moms for Liberty. We're joyful warriors. Joyful warriors. Their aim? to play hardball with a smile. We are organized, we are angry, and we know our rights. Enjoy the time you have left. We want people who are serving an elected office that respect the role of the parent in a child's life. So in 2022, our chapters endorsed in over 500 school board races across the country, and they won 275 seats. What kinds of books do you want in schools, in libraries? Books that educate children. That's a generalization that, that... Books that don't have pornography in them. Let's start there. Let's just put the bar really, really low. Books that don't have incest, pedophilia, rape. Stop it! It's, I mean, talk about Orwellian, you know, like calling this organization Moms for Liberty when it's actually for suppression is uh, 
about as basic as you could find in 1984, which I think is listed as a young adult novel still and probably has been banned in lots of places. Cartoonist Art Spiegelman has been speaking out ever since the McMinn County, Tennessee School Board voted unanimously last year to ban Mouse, his Pulitzer Prize-winning graphic novel about the Holocaust, citing violence, profanity, and because of this image, nudity. I think it's possible for an adult to say, I don't want my kid reading that book in class, but to forbid the other kids from reading it or taking it out of the library, that's not liberty. That's suppression and authoritarianism. Spiegelman says, fight back. Kick out the damn school boards and get school boards in that are are more nuanced in what they're doing. Getting involved in local politics as necessary to try to protect libraries' fundings and um, schools' needs instead of making it such a low priority. You know, this idea of what's appropriate and inappropriate is so subjective, and, um, and teenagers are smart. Linda Johnson is president and CEO of the Brooklyn, New York Public Library. What we ended up doing was issuing a countrywide press release that said if you're between the ages of 13 and 21 and you can't find the material that you want to read on the shelves of your school or your public library, send us an email and we will send you um, a digital card which will give you access to our digital collection. In just over a year since it launched Books Unbanned, the library has issued more than 6,200 free digital library cards and circulated over 100,000 books and other items. So, on the first day uh, of school, August 2022, Um, my students walked into our classroom. All of our classroom library shelves were covered over, and in their place was the book's unbanned QR code. Summer Boimier was a 10th grade English teacher in Norman, Oklahoma, when she did that, after being told to pull books that might violate a new state law prohibiting Oklahoma schools from teaching uncomfortable aspects of race or sex. All it takes is one objection for any reason. A school district could lose its accreditation. A teacher could lose their ability to teach in not only an Oklahoma classroom, but any K-12 classroom in the country. Boamier was removed from her classroom, accused of distributing pornography for posting the QR code. She resigned before being fired. You know, I am incensed. I'm livid. I'm not heartbroken. Identities are not obscenities. Stories are not pornography. They're possibility. Now, she works for the Brooklyn Public Library with teens as part of Books Unbanned. I made the calculation, uh, knowing that it could possibly cost me my job, knowing that it could possibly cost me my teaching certificate. Um, And that is a hill that I'm willing to die on. In a war where bookshelves are battlefields and both sides want to capture the same flag. It sounds melodramatic, but you know, to do something which inhibits intellectual curiosity is like a death knell for democracy. Our moms and dads are very concerned about the future of the country, and they're willing to step up however they need to to fight for the survival of America.
As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Steve Hartman has a story of justice delayed. Seeing her there, cuddled up with her crossword, you would never guess 80-year-old retired school teacher Ginny Schrappen had a pen pal in the penitentiary, especially not one accused of that terrible six-letter word that starts with M. He was in prison for murder. So I got to ask, what were you thinking? I've been accused of being naive before, <laughs> and that's okay. I wasn't worried. He's not going to come and get me. No. We'll answer that door in a minute. But first, how did this sweet little lady cross paths with Lamar Johnson, a man serving a life sentence in a Missouri prison? 25 years ago, a deacon at Jenny's church outside St. Louis handed her a letter from this prisoner. The guy had written the church hoping that someone, anyone, would just write back. And so I did it. What was it going to cost me? A stamp. Over the next two decades, they corresponded constantly. And although Ginny says she could tell right from the start that there was no way that nice boy committed murder, it would take the state of Missouri 28 years to confirm her intuition. Is granted. A couple months ago, after the Midwest Innocence Project got involved and the real killer confessed, Lamar was exonerated at the age of 49. You did it, Lamar. Lamar spent the next few weeks doing all the things he couldn't do in prison. Mr. Johnson hugging a tree. Including traveling to see one of his best friends at her house for the very first time. Oh, look at you. Ginny welcomed him in. Gave him a tour. This was a new window. A box of his favorite cereal. She knows me. And one last letter. You deserve the best, Lamar. But Lamar says the greatest gift wow. will always be the confidence she instilled in him. Especially when somebody is innocent. You want someone to believe in you. Because when you have people that believe in you and they won't give up on you, then it makes it harder for you to give up on yourself. Lamar says that's what helped get him through 28 years of injustice and now inspires him to serve a life of friendship. What a guy. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. 
Figure Lending LLC DBA Figure Equal Opportunity Lender NMLS 1717824 Terms and Conditions Apply Visit Figure.com for more information For licensing information go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org It's harder to focus than ever these days Thankfully C4 has reinvented the energy drink game with C4 Smart Energy the only energy drink clinically proven to provide enhanced mental focus containing 200 mg of natural caffeine a blend of vitamins and zero sugar it was formulated to support your well-being and help you feel your best all while enhancing mental focus from your brain to your body c4 smart energy does it all and tastes amazing look for smart energy in the beverage aisle at your local kroger albertsons and safeway grocery stores c4 smart energy stay focused our commentary is from author amy silverstein one of this nation's longest surviving heart transplant recipients. Last night, I climbed the 13 stairs that lead to my bedroom, and when I got to the top, I put my hand to my heart and said thank you because the climb was so easy, because the climb was propelled by a magnificent, healthy donor heart. I have lived with two donor hearts over 35 years. I had my first transplant at 25, and when that failed, I had my second at 50. But in January, my daily runs became difficult. Tests showed my heart was perfect, but additional tests revealed I have incurable cancer. It is in my lungs now. I will die soon. I have had an extraordinary life. I finished law school. I had an epic love with my husband, got to raise our son. I had the most glorious friendships. I wrote two books, and I am so grateful, like every transplant patient I have ever met. But all too often, this intense gratitude creates a cloak of silence that hides the realities of transplant life. The fact is, organ donation is miraculous. Transplant medicine is not. In 40 years, there has been very limited change in the medicines that patients take daily to prevent rejection of their donor organs. These immunosuppressive drugs continue to wreak havoc on the body, dramatically increasing the risk of diabetes, kidney failure, dangerous infections, and yes, cancers. And all of this is hidden well behind that pervasive gratitude recipients feel for their donor organs. When you are given everything, there is subtle and explicit pressure to ask for nothing more. This constrains honest dialogue and removes a sense of urgency to make meaningful improvements to the existing transplant drug regimen. Perhaps this is why life expectancy for heart transplant patients has not changed substantially since my first transplant in 1988, or why the federal agency metric for transplant success sets an embarrassingly low bar of one-year survival, or why research for new transplant medicines is chronically underfunded. So I am speaking up now, while I still can, for change and for all the transplant recipients I've known who died because medicines fell short. And for the donor families who gave life to these patients, they deserved so much more. And there is nothing ungrateful about saying so. Thank you for listening. Please join us when our trumpet sounds again next Sunday morning. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to CBS Sunday Morning with Jane Polly ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.
Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. Stephen Colbert here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with my producer, Becca. Becca, what's, what's up? So The Late Show Pod Show is everything you love about The Late Show on oh, a I podcast. Want, I want to know about you. Oh. I, enough. We, 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 people see everybody in an ad talks about the thing they're trying to sell. Oh. I'd like to know about you, the person behind creating the podcast. Oh, I'm having a really good day. Barry baked some bread and my friend Kara got me some chicken salad. It's a really nice day in the office today. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Mo Rocca, and I'm excited to announce season four of my podcast, Mobituaries. I've got a whole new bunch of stories to share with you about the most fascinating people and things who are no longer with us. From famous figures who died on the very same day to the things I wish would die, like buffets. Listen to Mobituaries with Mo Rocca on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.